You are all weirdos. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Weird Science Marvel Comics Podcast, Episode 5, Legacy Numbering 505. I got the legacy numbering intact now. Nice. All lined up because we did, if you don't know, uh, we had a special edition podcast on gods. Not me and Matt here. We no. wanted no parts of it. It was Jason and Ruben from the Weird Dose of X that did that. So if you haven't listened to that, you can get that on the feed. I was glad that it kind of positioned everything so now I can get it right and it won't mess me up. But I'm here with Matt. What up, Matt? What up, Jim? What up? And we are here to talk a bunch of books and then we'll be joined by Sus Gabe and Gray talking Blade and then also the Moon Knight City of the Dead or whatever. (laughs) That book's a little odd, but we have the big books here. And the big books include a couple Spider-Man things and a very odd Cap Wolf book that I thought would be a little more fun, but we're going to jump right into it. We'll start with The Amazing Spider-Man number 35, obviously written by Zeb Wells, art by Patrick Gleason, colors by Marcel Menez and Eric Arcinega, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Pretty much this feels like they're just going to like, hey, you know that dark Peter story? Well, we have to end that. Because we have to get ready to set up the, you know, gang war thing coming up. And it was weird. It ended up ending with a couple things that could have been interesting just ending. Craven, mm-hmm. the idea he's around, you end up having. I mean, Spider-Man, I, I really thought that what we were going to get from this with Spidey having the sins of Norman Osborn and the goblin stuff that we were actually going to kind of see what he was thinking, you know, of the mind more I, I thought that we were going to get this idea Of what this means to Peter How he's fighting it off It just ended up feeling surface level by the end Just hey I'm going to go and attack Mary Jane Almost killed Paul Which everybody was hoping for I'm sure right I mean yeah, you had one. to have thought that This would have been the greatest <laughs> thing ever Like please let him Because at the end nobody's going to really blame him Because it's the sins And that's what So just do it get rid of Paul please and, and then at the end, it looks like you end up having Norman. Oh, my, some of the sins are back. But the issue itself, it just really felt like it was on such a fast forward to get to that end that I think this whole arc, which could have been kind of a cool thing, it just never felt like much, you know, really mattered because it was going so No, quick. and there were no consequences either because they explained it that he's just he has a black costume on. So it's just Venom doing the bad stuff. So it was kind of anticlimactic. I mean, if you if you said to somebody, even back in the day, hey, listen, there's going to be a story where Peter gets all of the goblin sins, all Norman sins, gets the black suit back, and he's out wrecking houses. It, this sounds like it, it sounds epic, but mm-hmm. the way that Zeb Wells told it wasn't that epic. It just felt like a little bit of an in-between story that was surface level. Hey, kind of neat, but let's move on. And it, it seems like he missed the boat. It seems like he missed the boat on something that could have been really, really cool. But at the end, like you said, there's no consequences, except at the end, it looks again like Norman got some of the sins back. How many? What does that mean? We'll have to see. But even then, I'm- they just they just bury that staff in the in a grave. You know, that thing's coming back up with all the sins in it. So it's it's not closed by any means. We'll go through it. And by the end, it's weird what you end up having Norman say. But there's also some weird comments in it. But you end up. You know, hey, we're we're going to end up starting out Hammerhead. He's setting up this gang war. Hey, we're going to do this. We're going to blame that. We're going to do this. It's going to be a gang war. Here we go. 
that kind of is that little wink wink setup. Not much to it, but it does set it up. And that was Hammerhead there. I was guessing that was him, but it wasn't spelled out. <laughs> Look at his Hammerhead. Look at his head. It's flat. Do think it is. So he's there, and, and they're going to have all of you know the gangsters and stuff in that. So we'll have that gang war coming up. But then we go to the Holland Tunnel. Funny play is, remember when me and you were kind of like, what does it matter? Like, go to the bridge, the tunnel. The tunnel seems more dangerous to us because you're contained. Everybody's there. He seems to take him up to the bridge anyway, right? At least he goes up to throw Paul because he, Peter's pissed. You have, you know, Queen Goblin who ends up saying, oh, my God, it is Ashley Kafka. If you didn't know the idea, oh, my God, this isn't what I wanted. I don't think that you deserve these sins. I want because what she wanted to do was put the sins back into Norman and then pretty much kill him. But now Peter has him. She goes from like three pages of, oh, woe is you. I didn't want this to, eh, well, I'm not that nice. Let me go after it. it it's, everything is just too quick. Nothing mm-hmm. ever settles down. And so then you have Mary Jane just to piss people off. And even then, well, I'll mention it quickly. Uh, Nick Lowe has a answer to a letter that who knows if it's real or whatnot. But even in that, you have Mary Jane with Paul slapping us in the face right here. And then in the letter section, Nick Lowe saying nobody really cares about one more day. And yeah, a couple people want Mary Jane and Peter back together. But that's not the majority. You're overstated. I, I don't think it's overstated. I think people people want that. But in this, you have Paul. And Mary Jane says, nobody forced me, you know, this bad, Peter. You were forced to do this. Paul shouldn't be here. If it wasn't for Paul, everything would be fine. Mary Jane ends up stepping up and saying, nobody forced me into anything. And I'm going to hit my jackpot powers. People are not into the jackpot powers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. and we, Me and you, while we do sound like miserable pricks a lot of times, I think that you're in the same vein as me as like, all right, I don't even understand really what, but we'll wait till that, you know, series comes out to see if it actually is something worthwhile. It doesn't seem like it right now, but no. maybe, just maybe something. They give everybody powers, though, so is it anything that's not expected? I mean, every character gets powers. So. I, I just, like, at one point, somebody did describe and said, like, oh, man, I love Mary Jane being, uh, like, a one-person jackpot slot machine the way that they said it, I'm like, that doesn't sound good. It sounded like they were insulting her. It was very odd the way they said <laughs> it, like a, a never-ending slot machine or something. I'm like, oh, uh, that sounds like a little sus, right? Yeah, Did that's this, pretty sus. it sound kind of sus? Yeah. But she ends up doing She saves Paul here. She uses her powers. Uh, Patrick Gleason's art is... You said to me before we started, it's a, it's an improvement. Actually, we didn't love it last issue. Yeah, last issue took a big dip between the first issue, then the next one, then this is better. It does improve a bit, but there are points like I really wanted to see exactly what Mary Jane did to save Paul with her power. She kind of like zipped this kind of construct whip that grabbed them kind of to play off the idea of Gwen Stacy. It doesn't make, it doesn't make sense necessarily because all of her power, she has to do the slot machine thing, right? Exactly. So did she generate a new slot to do that? It's kind of risky if it failed. It would have been cool. You know what would have been cool? If uh, she went to rescue him and the slot thing failed and then he died. And it failed? So it was oh, her fault. Be hilarious. Yeah. She sends cotton candy at him again <laughs> like she did in the dark web and he dies. I, here, I mean, I will be on Front Street. I, I want Paul done. I want him to die. <laughs> and maybe that's mean to say. But the idea of it is I think that what we're leading to, if 
there's something here that we might be able to play off of later on. But if you end up with Paul, Paul at some point, I think is just going to say too much stuff happens around you. I'm out of here. And, and then just leaves. But you're again, though, you're playing off this play of Goblin Gwen Stacy, Peter saving Gwen, but her neck snaps. I, I really thought that this was going to happen and we could go through that whole debate. Who actually did kill Paul? Was mm-hmm. it, you know, bad Peter here? Or was it these next snap because of the powers? And you could have even played Mary. I don't know, though. You don't want Mary Jane to end up killing anybody. But Paul, well, maybe he could have. Maybe he could have died, right? Well, we see him sitting there. Is he? Do we know that he's alive? Does it show him what doing? Seems like he's rubbing his head or she's rubbing the head. The reaction from her pretty much is like, let's prop him up against the wall. And then she does end up talking to Peter. I think that if she kind of knew he was dead, she might have a reaction. But I think because he hits his head, it looks like like she grabs him, but he like kicks back and hits that pole or that wall. This is what I'm saying. It, it isn't really laid out great. Like the, the art doesn't really. But I think he might be in concussion protocol. And mm-hmm. maybe we'll get lucky where they don't want to kill Paul. You know, because they're nicer than me. But maybe he lost his memory now. Maybe he doesn't know who they who I don't know yeah. who you are. And then you could just let him walk away. You know what I mean? Because he does look like he hit his head pretty hard. Yeah. Uh, but you then have, you know, Norman show up. And, hey, you know, you two sit back. I'll take care of this. And in the meantime, you do have Craven as well. And the whole play here is let's get the sins back from from Peter. But. The play really is and really set up Norman, and I think this would have been the way. You're probably going to bring back Norman as the goblin, right? You're setting it up at the end. Why can't it be right now where you end up having him legitimately do a great thing to become the worst thing ever again? Because Peter has the sense. He even says to Mary Jane, I enjoyed getting to know you, Mary Jane. I really, in the way of, He's going to take back the sins the only way. And you can, you have the spear and all that, but you could have had this play of, hey, listen, Norman says, if anybody deserves to have these sins, it's obviously not Peter. It is me. I don't want them back, but they are mine. I don't want to hurt anybody else with those. So I'm going to try to make it so I can control it, whatever. That kind of seems like it happens at the end, but you're kind of, you know, wishy-washy, ambiguous deal with it because then Craven's there. Craven at the point shows up and he ends up fighting Peter. Peter goes nuts, starts fighting Craven. Yeah. And you had that big plate. Like, is anybody there rah rahing that Craven says, you know what, you put me in that, you know, the, the coffin with my dad's gun. You know, my grandmother and my father both killed themselves. I had the voices in my head saying that, but I fought back and now I won't do that. Okay. Like, it's just Craven going off to be Craven again, just that he's not going to kill himself down the line. I'm like, that kind of thought is that, that again, yeah. things that seem big just end up kind of like, oh, this happened. Boom, I'm gone. No consequence, really. I mean, he just goes off. But they do get the sins out of Peter because Norman jumps in and he ends up with the spear and he takes the sins and gathers them up in the spear again. Kind of silly. And they go into the spear. But in that, you have you know, all the spears going, and then every Peter's fine. Hey, MJ, I'm sorry. Hey, it wasn't you. And then you get that weird ending. And I love the idea of the dialogue where Norman goes, how long has she been watching? 
about 10 minutes as long as you were there. I mean, she's, she's <laughs> just there. I mean, it's not like it was a surprise. She was there talking with Peter and then even a tag. Of, and, and how long has she been smiling? Probably like just now. I, I just thought it was goofy because in that he does say the idea that the sins, the spear you do have, Craven say, hey, I'm going to be. Gonna bury this. That why would you why let, not destroy it? Yeah, just destroy it or take it yourself or put it somewhere like in a the negative zone or something. I don't know. And then the ending, like it ends with Peter, like, hey, what are you gonna do? I'm gonna strut. He gets on the spider custom. It could have ended there. Yeah, I thought it was it. That where there's Norman, he goes back, he's at his desk, and he says, My sins are no longer in Peter. The spear was made to hold them, but but I knew it wouldn't. The spear is not their home. And that's why he said that Ashley was smiling because she knows the truth that either all the sins went into Norman, but I think it might be like a couple of little sins got, got free and went in there, even though we saw them go in and Craven says, but at the end, he kind of giggles like the goblin. He looks at a reflection, sees the goblin kind of the movie deal. And then he like covers his mouth. So I think that we're going to have to wait even longer. I I don't mind. Norman being a good guy, even though some people have pointed out, while it's nice enough for him to want to be good, he has killed too many people to actually be accepted by anybody as a good guy. But and this is just going to be where well, we're going to we're going to go back to. Remember at the beginning when Norman's like, "Hey, I'm I'm a I'm a good guy now," but we were still kind of worried because during the whole deal in Nick Spencer's run, when the Sin Eater took the sins, it didn't seem like he really. Did everything and Mary Jane even said at one point, I think you're still the goblin. There was that kind of like is he or isn't he? Then you had that freaking what's his name? Uh Cantwell book. You ended mm-hmm. up having the gold goblin book, and that pretty much went in the mind of no and well spelled out, okay, he's completely good, he doesn't have anything. I'd like the idea of having maybe the sins. Because remember at that that point where in this book where Peter would Asked Nor and everything Norman did looked bad, but then always had an explanation, yes, almost like yes. a Lex Luthor esque thing. Yep. I kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, are we just getting back to that now? It's very because much like that's Lex. what it seems, right? Yeah, it's yeah. like Lex. Oh my God, he's doing this. He's bad. He's bad. And oh, wait a minute. Did he finagle it to look good on the other side, or is he actually uh, bad? And I think we're just getting back to that. But I guess my my main problem with the whole concept is of the sins is there's sins and then there's the goblin power. Like, is it taking both of the things? Is it only taking the sins? I mean, because they to me they're separate things. Like, yeah, he could still be the goblin, but his he can have new sins accumulate, not just the old ones. You know, it's funny because this week I was even thinking the idea too. It's like. Oh man, we could get like superior goblin here because now he has all of Norman's sin. Does he have his memories? Does he have this? Does he have that? And that's the other thing. You know, we don't really know exactly what it means. Like you just said, what is it in his mind where Peter now has to kind of like relive all these bad things from that other point of view? And it tries, you didn't do anything with this. You just had a surface level story of bad Peter's going to end up going after Paul and doesn't do anything. And then the sins are gone. And at the end, it pretty much feels like, all right, no consequence. That's wrapped up. We'll see what happens with Norman. I say no consequence, but it's more the Norman deal. But at the end, it just feels like a a bit of a letdown. It feels like a missed opportunity for something that could have been really cool. And it kind of wasn't. But what would you give this? I'd probably give this one just a flat seven. Just the art's a little yeah. better. They, you know, I can't, I can't go much I think lower I'm a six than that. Five. Yeah. When you're reading it, there are some cool things going on. It's all action. So it's not like it's one of those like, oh, my God, this is horrible. It just it feels like a missed opportunity. Like I said, everything wraps up very 
neatly yeah, with I'll the go bow. six five too. I agree. Even like you said, where at one point you're you're kind of thinking, and I hate when you read a comic and you realize that something is said in the comic so that people don't argue online or at conventions. The idea of nobody will know it was you, Peter. They'll think it's one of the Brocks. The event that seemed like just an yeah. Meanwhile, easy he way. killed probably Boom. fifty people. I mean, I don't. And explosions and stuff and so you just get away and, and also you have oh it wasn't you again if you're gonna have anybody that should feel guilty of all that stuff it is norman i mean norman there should have been a thing in this of oh my god i'm trying to be and we may get it but i'm trying to be good but even my stupid sins that are in a spear end up coming back and killing people like how can i get past this you know what i mean yeah but also like Norman's sins go into Peter, so why isn't Peter addressing Norman's sins? Why is he addressing his own sins? He so just to seems me, to just, go nuts, right? Yeah, it's more that he got the goblin power than it is he got the sin, so I'm going down to a six on this. I, I might too, because now I'm thinking I, of I don't it, like the it. idea of the Norman's <laughs> sins. It's just kind of, I think the concept is cool. It just didn't play out right. I'll go six. And it might be because they're still digging out of the Sin Eater stuff from Nick Spencer's run, which is, that's they're trying to deal with that. But Yeah, still, well, they are. It seems like they're still you know using that as that way with Norman, but yeah. I don't know. I, I, it just was odd, and I <laughs> hope that Paul is in concussion protocol. I hope so, he doesn't too. remember anything. We'll see how that goes, but we'll move on to the next book. The next book, it's an odd one. It's one of those that it's, you know, I thought it was a one-shot at first. It's actually a four-issue mini, I think. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that you need a four-issue cap with mini, but I looked at it as like, okay, we could have some fun. I don't know. I don't know if Stephanie Phillips actually wanted to have fun on this, it's very odd, but it's written by Stephanie Phillips and the whole deal. It's Cap Wolf and the Howling Commandos, number one. Written by Stephanie Phillips, art by Carlos Magno, colors by Espen Groot, and Jern, letters by VCs Travis Lanham. And we we got Cap Wolf, and we have to wait the whole issue, which, again, I wish that it was just an oversized one shot where you end up having Cap. He becomes Cap Wolf, you know, beats up some Nazis, but it seems like we're going to get that just through a bunch of issues. The, the thing that I'll ask you, though, is like, why uh, Cap is not very likable in not this issue, right? He's no. kind of a jerk. He reminds me of U.S. Agent more than anything. He kind of is like a asshole. This feels like Stephanie Phillips was given an assignment, and then she wrote the book. It's not bad. It's not great. I don't think anybody's going to be you know over the moon on this. It'll probably just disappear into the ether. Nobody will ever mention it again once it's done. But you end up having this weird play that this is a early Cap. An early Cap who really should be a nice guy. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. they actually, where you have Dum Dum and the rest of the Howling Commandos kind of going like, oh, man, all you're good is selling war bonds. Yeah, so this is real early in him coming over yeah, he still to fight has the old in the shield war. and everything. Yeah. It's old. When did he become, like, really the super jerk-off serum is what he got because <laughs> he shows up. like, And even then, the Howling Commandos, I kind of get their deal, but... They're also jerks. And at the end, I'm like, who are we supposed to like in this book? Maybe Cap Wolf when we get him. But you start out with the Helen Commandos, I think maybe a little too much where you end up there. There, they're fighting the Germans. You end up having Nick Fury leading the charge. You know, and you'll mention the names. I think that the dialogue is pretty basic. You really don't get, like, any sort of personality in the dialogue for anybody. It's just kind of yelling and screaming about things. But at one point, this tank shows up. They're in this place. Now, they say later that this tank was like the super tank that I'd never seen a tank. 
why aren't we seeing that? I just see a tank. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like maybe set it up against another tank to show this it, is that humongous thing or it's got it looks a little different than what they would have in world war ii but but. you end up when you're in this book like it doesn't look different because there there's no reference to it so what happens here first off you have the craziest dog fight above too it's like eight million planes and the blimp right the blimps there it's just like background and the art's okay you end up where Nick says, hey, you jerko, selling commandos, you get going. I'll be here. I'll take care of this tank, which he can't. And then as it goes to blast, Nick Fury, Cap shows up and blocks pretty much a, a shot from the tank. You know, mm-hmm. one of those mortars, whatever, missiles, whatever you call it. He blocks it with a shield. That right there tells me. That everybody should kiss Cap's ass throughout this whole issue. And nobody they does. Nick Fury. <laughs> they legitimate. And the thing that I thought was, okay, Nick sent them away, so they didn't quite see that, but they did. And also, Nick would tell them, like the idea, Nick Fury is dead right now without yep. Cap. He ends up jump that. I think he's doing more than selling war bonds here by deflecting a shot from Super Tank. And yet they, <laughs> they don't care. And then I get the idea what the, you know, Dum Dum says later, but then they're still screwed. There's this tank there. And Cap says, I'll give, you know, I'll go for that weight from my signal. And all it ends up being is like, what's the signal? What's the signal? What's the signal? As if this is something that, oh, look at that Cap. What a jerk. He didn't tell us what the signal is. The signal is the, the damn super tank blowing up. Yeah, yeah he's exactly. throwing the guys out of the cockpit or whatever it is. And he's the doing the classic. Yeah, he's destroying it. Anything else that I would ever read, I would have been thinking like the idea like, holy crap, this guy's awesome. I like, know. This guy <laughs> is the best. He saved, you know, Fury. He ended up saving our asses too. And he destroyed what looks like for some reason the super German tank. That seems to be some big deal. Cap did that. Yeah. He did it single-handedly. Maybe you have one guy in the Howling Commandos like, I don't know. He seems like a real pretentious jerk. But no, they're all against Cap. And and then Cap goes and they end up where Fury's like, oh, man, I'm not hurt. Let me get going. He starts yelling at a lady. They have weird <laughs> dialogue. Uh, Cap says, I... I bet you're real good with the ladies back home there. <laughs> well, she was, she, was, she was putting the gauze on too tight, man. She needs to loosen it up a little and bit. And he wants a drink. Get me a drink, <laughs> lady. He's like, get me a pot pie. You jerk. I'm like, nobody's likable. That general, too. He sucks, that guy that's in the room oh, with him. I, <laughs> I sent you a, a made-up deal because he ends up coming in with this classified file. He says, hey, we have this classified file. I think the Germans are up to something. It's Wolf Schnauz. Oh, what does that mean? It's Wolf's Lair. Here's my classified documents. You check these out. By the way, we don't know crap about what's going. Like, <laughs> what if they have? He Fury opens it up. The page through basically has an address. That's it. That's all they have. Like, why did you need to have that in that folder? Just say it's a big, oversized folder that says huge nothing. Folder. It looks like it has eight other freaking things in it. Of what? They say we don't know anything about it. It's a bunker at this address. Everybody we've sent there hasn't come back. Oh, no. We know, like, this seems like something that would have been a problem for a while now, but now all of a sudden they're going to do it only because we're telling a story where Cap is involved and he's going to go because then Fury's like, I can't go. I'm a little hurt, but I think Cap here, I think he's pretty cool. I think that he should lead the Helen Commandos. Cap's like, what? The Alley Commandos, that's not my 
troop. And Fury says, no, 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 you're good. <laughs> to me right there, the Helen Commandos, that is right now the signed, sealed, and delivered idea that Cap's pretty good. Like, mm-hmm. even if you didn't know about him, which they do, they saw him save Fury, all the, and you had Fury say, you do this, I think that they'd all fall in line and say, yeah, you know, have that one guy. That one might be dumb-dumb, but whatever the deal is. They're all like, man, this Cap's a jerk. <laughs> yeah, him. every one of them. We're, we're more than halfway through the issue, and I keep thinking, like, if I was Cap, I'd tell them to go to hell. And I just go do my own thing because they're jerks. So he kind of does, though, when he jumps out of the airplane without a parachute. <laughs> Again, being a jerk. Like, this, this is the idea where this Cap, who just started, where in my mind and what I've read and seen and whatnot, Cap wants to be one of the guys. I mean, he desperately wanted to be in the military. Now he's there and he wants to save lives. He wants to make friends, you know, all that. In this, it feels like he's like, because they start arguing. Oh, man. And dumb, the only thing dumb dumb has a point. If we're following Cap, it still makes Cap seem dumb. We're following Cap, and he doesn't realize that we are, you know, vulnerable. He's a super soldier. He'll just run into the fray, and what are we going to do? Follow him? Mm-hmm. It's like the idea where Fury hear, hears later that crap went wrong, and he's like, hey, if Cap jumped off a bridge, would you do <laughs> So stupid. But he ends up there where they're talking crap, and this, this crap talk, it's so bad, even amongst them. This is the funny dialogue of, hey, I'd rather be taking orders from a one-armed gorilla. Or, or Dino over there, hey, your insults don't work, Junior, because gorillas could outsmart a toddler. Oh, you're saying you don't mind being compared to a gorilla because at least then you're smarter than a toddler? I'm like, what is what is going on here? <laughs> like, the idea, like, they're, they, they gotta, they're having problems here. They better send them home. They've been in Germany too long. So they end up where... They're going here and they're going to jump in. Cap has to, again, be a prick. Hey, guys, I mean, just use a parachute, Cap. Like everybody else, man. Yeah. I mean, again, you're very early on the deal. Just do that. And it's just like, and even then, the smile on his face is like this crap-eaten grin. Yeah, he does that a lot. They probably think I'm a great, yeah, he says it even. It's like, meet you on the ground. I'm like, so what's the plan? You. He jumps out of the plane and then lands in a lake or something? Yeah, he yeah. lands in the lake and the other guys make fun of him because they use parachutes. Like, this is what we're getting. In, in but if it. there was no lake, he'd be dead, right? I mean, basically. I guess he just <laughs> ended up seeing that lake down there, luckily. <laughs> so in this, we are now, wait, like I said, more than, I, I just want cap off. I don't want jerk no, off. You're going to wait for the last page for that. Jerk cap. <laughs> <laughs> it's cap jerk. He's just jumping out, grinning, everybody's yelling. Then we just go because you have to set up the Catwolf stuff, but it's not even done very well. You end up where there's this big ritual at that bunker. Everybody's going in. There's these crazy experiments. This goes in with the Hitler idea of the occult. You have this lady here who's been doing this. We need more people. Hey, we'll get 10 guys. It's like it, it feels like it's a weird play of it's important stuff, but it feels like filler because you don't really say much. It's just this back and forth. And then this lady brings out the dagger. She's going to make werewolves. That's all it's going to be. And uh, yeah, Cap comes out of the out of the lake. They're like, at least we didn't have to land in the water, jerk. And then yeah. they go off to, you know, go. And they they end up where, okay, what are we going to do? Dum Dum starts giving orders. He says, hey, okay, what we're going to do is, Reb, you run ahead. You get this. And the weird play of it is 
you end up in that panel. You end up Cap's pointing at. The, it felt like I don't. At first, I thought Cap was saying this, but it, it is actually dumb, dumb. Yeah, look how angered Cap is talking to him. He looks like he wants to kill him. Yeah. Even in that, it looks like you end up in that panel. There's some weird plays with the the art and the panels in here. Like I said about that super tank, and then they mention it, and I'm like, I wish we would have seen a little more of that. And then Dum Dum has the like, what the heck are you saying to me? Look, as he's giving orders to Reb, but he says. Reb, you go ahead and then tries to explain to Cap, this is something we always do. Yeah, Reb a is a good tracker. He's a scout. He can find out. And then Cap says, well, you're following my orders, and I say that we stick together. And luckily, you just end up not even having any sort of time to kind of react, because I guess if Reb went forward, he would have been killed by werewolves. But they didn't know that. But you end up where they're just they're attacked by wolfmen. And so I'm sitting there and I'm watching this and I see wolfmen come out. They're they're, the werewolves are attacking and you're still going to get arguments among the team of if they were werewolves (laughs) at that point. I don't care what the hell you called them. (laughs) These were wolves that looked like they were walking bipedal and attacking like wolfmen. They're salivating. They're really scary. I mean, and so uh. they attack them. And there's, you know, the bit of the fight. Cap gets in there. He <laughs> saves a couple more guys. But it's not even anything that that's, like, really over-the-top cool. It just ends up them attacking and them running away for the most part. They're, well, why are they running? They end up scratching Cap, like, really bad in the chest. And like, oh, man, why are they running? What's going on? And then they go, oh, it must be the daylight. But I, I didn't even get <laughs> It's weird. It's like nothing. Okay, the daylight right. shows up. The wolves run away. Then Cap doesn't get affected by that, though. It's yeah, weird. and it's still kind of dark, and yeah. it's weird. And then Cap ends up turning into the werewolf, Cap Wolf, and says, "I think you're gonna have to kill me, Corporal Dugan. I swear to God, all I want is the next issue. And I think, like I said, four issue many. The next issue just starts with Dugan boom, shooting him. Shoots Cap, he's dead. That's it. And then it's like, oh, those <laughs> other issues. We're not doing those now because because this really it it doesn't feel like it has the legs to go for issues. I think he's going to still lead the team somehow. Oh, I think yeah. that's what oh, happens. I right? think that he's going to end up. Well, he'll spend the next issue fighting. It is daylight, so he goes back. Like he'll probably go back. They'll figure out if they. Ah, <laughs> so goofy. And then they have to wait for the next full moon. Like, all right, well, Cap, you I'll do this. It'd be funny if that's just the setup of it's always been that when it's not. But that I see you in a month when the next full moon comes, you know? I mean, yeah, yeah, they'll play that whole bit. It's just, <laughs> but then you have, okay, Cap Wolf shows up, legitimately shows up last page. So you have that. But then it says for the next issue, as the Helen Commando struggle to decide the newly werewolf Captain America's fate. A miracle happens and a new ally arrives. And all I can think, I, I was thinking, who could it be? You know, is it, is it Bucky somehow? Is it, you know, Maybe. some weird thing? You don't need that. I just want Capwolf. I want Capwolf in the Howling Commandos. And you only give us one page of it. He says, kill me, Dugan. And then in the next issue, you say, oh, a new ally arrives? You don't need a new ally. Maybe the new ally is the sun. And then he's <laughs> like, ooh, I'm, I'm okay now. I'm good to go. Also, the idea of it being lit, you're almost playing off like a, a vampire deal. If the sun comes up, they just revert back to men, which might have been a cool play right before Cap ended up somehow turning into the the wolf man here. Like maybe you could have then seen it. Also, I thought, what does the super 
serum do with this whole idea of this as well it's, it's very yeah. odd but it, like i said at the end it, i don't know I, i'd like to say it's fun but there's not many likable characters cap's a jerk but it did make me giggle and i want to see if dugan shoots in the next issue so uh, i i will be continuing doing this yeah but it's not anything that is a must read <laughs> i wanted it to just be more fun not jerk off. Hopefully, Maybe they won't be jerks now. Yeah, hopefully it gets a little better because they'll. It, it, I don't know. We'll see. I'm just reserve judgment till we see it. Yeah. It's so weird. And like I said, at one point they're legitimately they're fighting wolfmen, and they're arguing if those were wolfmen. And at one point, I really did want to have somebody say, "I don't. I don't care what the hell you call them. I mean, I saw what we were fighting, and it's bullcrap." But and it all goes back. I'm assuming those wolfmen run away and then cap. They just attack Nazis again. I'm assuming that's they just stay on mission. Yeah, I think that at this point they're going to have to obviously to get Cap healed. They're going to have to find out what happens in that because at this point they don't know that these werewolves, wolfmen, are involved in their mission anyway. They even say, "Oh, this is a little beforehand," and they'll have to go find that bunker. They'll break in. I'm saying at the end we'll end up having some wacko, you know, ritual that ritual, turns them yeah. from being Cap Wolf, and then we'll have you know, lame jokes, lame. They'll probably like call him like a pet or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> so now I'm thinking like the ally, like in the time frame, and we are in World War II. We didn't, but it kind of obvious. But when we get like, who would it be of the deal of uh, like a monster hunter, you know, something like that? Could be, With, yeah. And the weird like timing, that. though, of it, what will that be and how will it work out? Because at the end, you're going to have to have. Cap isn't really the guy who's knowledgeable on the occult to then make it work to get him back to normal. I think you have to find somebody like that. I think there's going to be it something be like Elsa like Bloodstone's dad. You know, you, you could have some fun with that, though. That be or it'll be Howard Stark who shows up because, hey, I'm here to have the equipment, but I also brought, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's just goofy. What would you give this? I just I'd give this one a six. I, I like I like the art enough. Uh, this is the guy, the same dude that did the invaders stuff that was pretty good. So, yeah, I like the art enough. Like I said some of the things didn't match exactly what they were saying in yeah. the scope of it. I don't know. That's that 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 is his fault or not. But. Yeah. Yeah. I think there was some weird plays here, but we'll go to the last book that me and you are talking about together. And it is the big one, I guess. It's a spear of Spider-Man returns. And me and you. You know, and I think a lot of people, when we heard that this was coming out, initially I thought this was the number one issue of the new series, but it's not. It's the setup to it. It's an oversized setup. And, yeah, you go into this, and it's weird. I am looking at the credits in my thing, and it does mention Christos Gage yeah. in there. Yeah, it's weird, right? Because, yeah, yeah the, the idea of Christos Gage, they're not putting him on the cover. No, they put 15 artists, but not Christos yeah, Gage, who wrote all the, the dialogue. Cover. It's yeah. <laughs> here's Spider-Man Returns story by Dan Slott, script by Christos Gage. And believe me, when Dan Slott starts doing, you know, a lot of things, Christos Gage is soon to follow. You yes. have uh, pencils, Mark Bagley, Ryan Stegman, Umberto Ramos, and Giuseppe Comancoli. Pretty good lineup there. Yeah. Inkers, John Dell, J.P. Mayer, and Victor Olazaba. Uh, colors, Edgar Delgado, and VCs, Joe Carmagno, and Letters. And I, I didn't know what to expect going into this. Like I said, I thought it was at first the number one, but it's a kind of set up prelude to give you the play of Ock, who even in, you know, Zeb Wells' Amazing Spider-Man, when he's shown up, his big play is he doesn't have his memories. He hasn't had his memories. Everything is kind of coming back in dribs and drabs. He doesn't remember especially the stuff of Superior. 
and he wants to know. So he's looking into this. So he ends up going back to the Atomic Research Center where he had done all of his experiments, where he's trying to get that fusion energy of the sun. And we get like an untold tale, it seems, of this, Mm -hmm. of what ended up happening. And really, it is almost like a clip show of things we didn't see before. As he goes back into this facility, he starts to remember little things. Oh, my God, I do remember this. I remember. Yeah, I was fighting that slide guy, which then leads to that. It's kind of funny. I like the idea of him like, all right, we got to get some big you know, crazy crime thing going, and it ends up being sliders just zipping around. Uh-huh. But it's weird. That, did you think it was weird, like the play here, that there really isn't any spell out of when, how, or what? You just end up like, boom, all of a you sudden. You can kind of tell by the costume progression. That's the way I did it. But because what are we going to be going forward with with Superior Spider-Man, with Ock? Like, I thought, is this like what he's doing now? Like, he's like, I'm going to end up being Superior Spider-Man again, right? But no, this is this is back in the day with him going with his memories. And yeah, he goes and he, he takes down Slide. It's yep. kind of fun, right? I mean, this yeah. whole issue isn't bad. I actually thought it might be a little too long. And I thought it was like the number one issue, not the setup. And I didn't really read a lot of Superior Spider-Man. So me and you both going, you did. And Yo, yeah. you were even saying like, don't remember some of this. Like, is it supposed to be these kind of been? Well, it's a ten-year anniversary. I mean, God, that's a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. So when they're going through it, he he ends up taking down Sly, and he gets this friction. You know, the, the whole play with Slide is he has you know no friction going. He can end up you know going around almost like Iceman. Mm-hmm. He's doing all these things, and when you try to grab him, you slip off him. Things like that. Yeah, everything just slides off him or bounces off him. It's you can't touch cool. him. Yeah, and you end up where um. Doc Ock figures in the Superior Spider-Man figures that, okay, the one place that he needs to go, he needs somewhere where there is no friction to work off of. So he sends him into the drink there, into the (laughs) bay. And then if if you end up, he says, slide, if you don't end up, you know, taking off your your costume here, you're going to drown. How is he going to take it off, though? (laughs) You then get where Ock stole the tech and you have like, okay, buddy, we're taking you downtown because the police come. You have him hanging up and he's like, he stole my, and he zips his mouth. Yeah. And then the police, don't you throw shade at the Spider-Man. Yeah, and he they, goes think it's, they think it's the regular Spider-Man, but it's not. <laughs> so he goes off and he goes back to Horizon Labs, that whole play. It's funny that you get more of like an intellectual property type of couple pages where mm-hmm. Ock, as Peter, he's going to develop this deal, but he doesn't want it to be the property of Horizon Labs. He doesn't want to end up where Max Modell will take all the credit, so he's like, screw it. I'm going to grab all these things. Hey, living brain, let's go. And then you end up, Grady Scraps comes in. Hey, where are you going with that stuff? You're not supposed to be doing that. Shut up, Scraps. (laughs) I love the idea. Poor Scraps here. He's like, hey, you mind your own business, jerk. These are just boxes that are He, he was constantly uh, constantly um, making fun of this guy back in the day. So he ends up like, that's Horizon Labs boxes. I'm the, and he's like, oh, that sounds pretty cool. Like, I, I get that. You want me to help? You help me? Scrap? What do you think you can do, you? That's so funny. I like Scraps with his shirt there. And then he goes off. And I love where he's like, what? Step aside, Scraps. I don't yeah. need any help from you. And then says to Brain, yeah, I think I do need some help. And the Living Brain's like, I will help you. He's like, you? (laughs) Yeah, that Living Brain is awesome. I like that thing. I didn't read a lot of Superior Spider-Man. I actually read the Christos Gage version 
when they ended up having fresh start where he was on the West Coast and he was doing the stuff there, which I actually thought was really good. So when you go into this, I'm getting some information. I'm getting a bit of stuff. And it's probably a nice reminder of just the feel of the book for you who read it. Oh, that's exactly what it is. You know what I mean? That's that's all it seems to be. I'm not going to tell you by the end that I was like so pumped up to get to Superior Spider-Man, but I wasn't upset either. So I was like, okay, I just kind of wish we started with the actual number one already. But yeah, Peter then back at Empire State University, he's setting up the idea of, hey, anybody want to work with Spider-Man? And it's funny because you, you end up having <laughs> Anna come in and it's like, she's oh, like, I'll, I'll do it. I, yeah, I'll do it. And it was like, I don't need your help. And you get that weird play, but it, it is because it's Doc Ock and that's who he's in love with. So he says, no, no, no. I want to spend more time with you. That, and that's why I'm getting assistance. I need more time because I want to spend it all with you. And then just you have this girl, Estrella Lopez, come in. And really plays off right away if there's a lot of like red flags going up. Don't you think the idea where she comes in is like, oh man, I like, I can work and I can kill people. <laughs> she has this weird play at first. And then say, like she says, did you say Spider Man is looking for a lab assistant? I'd kill for that job figuratively, unless they're a bad person. I'm like, all right, you're a little over the top. But then also, not on top of that, her name means star in Spanish. So. So you know something's happening. <laughs> Everything in those bubbles means something's happening he, here. Here's the hint for anybody who finds themselves in a comic book universe. Any person who has a name that means something, don't end <laughs> up letting them get involved with that thing. Jim, piece of crap. Oh, he sounds like a nice guy. Doc Ock's trying to do this. Experiment. In the whole play, when he goes down in the beginning, he goes down in the lab, he finds this decahedron. That's there, and that's what sparks the memory. He's like, oh, man, I kind of remember this. So He's like, what is this thing? I need to find out what this is. And he's like, it must be something important. I did this, and I don't know why. So it's a cool setup to actually you know, cause some problems by the end. Because, yeah, you end up having Spider-Man. I love the idea because people wouldn't really know Spider-Man. You know what I mean? Like, this girl's never talked to Spider-Man. So no. when she starts talking to Spider-Man, they have to all be thinking, like, this guy's a jerk. Like, I, I thought Spider-Man was nice. <laughs> Spider-Man is a real <laughs> prick. Because, yeah, almost like Cap, we said earlier, but it, it, it's Doc Ock. The idea that he is superior, he is the, the guy who knows everything, but we also see as this goes, he ends up almost making, like, his own version of AIM at the one point as yeah, they end up fighting AIM, right? Yeah, I mean, and also he's wearing the regular Spider-Man costume right now when he's getting all these people. And then and eventually it gets crazier and crazier with the arms and all this stuff. And he just becomes full Doc Ock. This Estrella Lopez says, we need more hands. He's like, yeah, I think I'll get the iron spider. So now he gets that (laughs) on. It's like that right there is so creepy looking. I'd I'd run. Throughout all this, Living Brain is showing up with drinks. He's like C-3PO. Like every we say it all the time when we had our Star Wars podcast, like, the droids are only there in the Star Wars universe to serve drinks. Basically. <laughs> hey, you want some, you know, some, uh, he has like different things, muffins and all mm-hmm. that stuff going on, pastries. Uh, but it's kind of fun. But yeah, they end up where even then, even with the spider bots, the arms, Doc, he needs more people. He ends up getting this whole deal. They st- <laughs> they start wearing, they, hey, we have a new costume for you there. And it's just fun. It's pretty much the Spider-Man aim costume. And the idea, she's like, I think we should be wearing lab coats for like scientists, <laughs> but they're being turned into just a, you know, the side henchman mooks here. So they end up and they do go. And it's funny when they're fighting off and they're fighting aim. 
they're going against. He, it's just Doc Ock. She's like, I'm a scientist. Him. I don't know how to ride this. I don't even have a driver's license. What am I doing? Yeah, at that one point, she's just yelling like, oh, my God, this is crazy because she's in this big mecca. Mecca that's suit, supposed to be yeah. firing at people. And, you know, <laughs> that, that whole deal. Like, All right. He's just, hey, fired at everybody. It's, it's set for stun. And then they end up taking all the guys down, and then you end up having them go into this lab. And again, they're now stealing stuff for their own means. He even says to this, you know, Estrella, hey, you know, she'll tell us what we need. I'm going to skedaddle. You're going to do this. And they end up getting this tech from AIM. But even that feels weird. Like somebody should really be saying, shouldn't we wait for the police? Like, oh, no, no, they won't know what they have. And he's Mm -hmm. even playing this weird play. But you end up where. You know, they take that, and now we see that he's using the tech from Slide. Now he's using the stuff to go, but it still doesn't work. He tries to use it, and now we get the big moment when he's like, I don't know what's happening. I can't make this work. And you end up having Estrella Lopez say, oh, I think we need to do the inverse of this. And it, <laughs> it is funny. I mean, I love the henchmen. They're the best. Yeah. The idea where yes, man. I swear to God, I wanted to see, like, are they, like, exactly, they just kind of show up. Then I'm thinking they might be clones. I had no idea. But, yeah, he's like, wait a minute. Because she says, listen, I think that we need to get the inverse of the harmonic frequency to initiate the core reaction. And he goes, wait a second. I have it. I think we have to get the inverse of the harmonic frequency. (laughs) He (laughs) says exactly what she said. And he sent you, you're the man, boss. Genius. It's She's so like, good. I literally just said that. Yeah, it's funny. Like, she keeps talking. Nobody's listening to her. He ends up going, it's like, oh, man, let me do that. Oh, my God. I'm uh, brilliant. I'm superior. I'm the best. Hey, everybody, take the night off. We're going to have a big day tomorrow. Plus, I think we're going to go celebrate. I'm going to make oh, man. reservations over at the tavern on the green. And then he says, reservations for two. She says, I've never been there before. I would love to go, but it's not for you. Nope. He's going on a date with Anna. So she gets so pissed. bad. Yeah, it is. That was the straw that broke the camel's back right there. It's done well enough in this that it feels like it was set up enough. You end up where it it works as a comic book. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's a cool play to go. And now you realize, okay, this girl's going to do something bad. But the funny play is she is trying to do something bad because she hates Spider-Man, which makes her a villain, not knowing that she's working for a villain who happens to be Spider-Man. And that's that's the cool play. Yeah. And she goes, she does, she knows how to do it. She was the one who came up with the deal. And if you really wanted to argue about things, you know, Spidey, Doc Ock, he writes out the formulas. He's doing that on the blackboard. So even if she couldn't legitimately figure it's there. So she starts doing it, though. It looks like she's just grabbing this, you know, eternal sun. But, you know, I'll pick up this here and put it over here and it ends up falling and it takes out all of the energy in all of the the city Mm -hmm. and it's going to turn her into this living star which like you said is her name and it's funny too because at this point you know doc ock wants to do this to be rich as hell and very famous that's that's all he's doing it for he ends up where you know and i guess at this point you know he doesn't have any idea that he's not gonna end up stopping being superior spider-man or whatever but i thought like what is gonna happen at the point when he gets really mad because peter parker is looked at as the genius and he's kind of you know inside there it'd be kind of yep. funny but in the meantime her name's star she turns into a living star she ends up being confused she attacks spider-man when he comes in because you know doc ock realizes okay i gotta get over there and when he gets there, she's yelling and he 
puts her into that decahedron, which he was set him. up again. You know, the idea of slides, frictionless tech, and this and that, yep. and it's going to contain her. And yeah, he says, listen, you got to go in there. You'll die if you... And when she goes in, he's, I thought you said I'd die. And he's like, yeah, everybody dies. <laughs> yeah, eventually. I mean... Yeah, he's such a jerk. So she gets trapped in this a really, I think, a really good way of setting up a villain. Mm-hmm. You have... I mean, this is basically what you get when anybody gets out of the Phantom Zone. They end up so pissed off because they were incorporeal. I couldn't do this. I'm going to fight you, whatever. But the thing is, they're usually with a bunch of other people, at least. She's just stuck in this, like Spider-Woman, even back in the day when she was in that, you know, containment deal. So it's it's, imagine just being in a space where you can't hear, see or touch anything, but you're alive. I mean, that's got to be that senses deprivation. Oh, my God. For years. And I guess he was there for a few years. I mean, and that's what I like. You're playing with that idea of going back to show the story we didn't know of. And it actually gets that build in deal of she's been there all this time, all this time. And I think it plays off in the 10 year anniversary as you're reading this. Mm-hmm. You're thinking to yourself, like, well, I haven't read this in a long time. Even if the timeline in the books is a little different, you do get that sense of time because you haven't read this stuff for 10 years. That she's been in there. I thought it was really well done that way. <laughs> yeah. And then I, I just like, though, at the end where, you know, you have her get trapped in. You're going to do this. The 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 mooks, the, the, you know, the goons show up and you're like, oh, we're going to get back to this. And, hey, we're going to move on and whatnot. But then you do see at this point where Doc Ock still doesn't know. He doesn't remember this. No. That's the other. He doesn't know she's inside that dodecahedron. He doesn't no remember clue. it. The big play was him just there saying, I recognize this. It looks like, oh, my God, I was going to do it. <laughs> I see this. So he doesn't know. Like, it almost plays out that it was a flashback, him thinking it. We were just being shown this. Instead, he's like, man, this big laser cannon. <laughs> Pretty cool. I'm going to shoot this thing, but I need some energy. Let me just crack this open real quick. Yeah. Thinks there's a living son <laughs> in that deck. And there is, but it's a it's a girl. And and he opens it up. And I thought, I did think this was hilarious. Because when it ends up kind of being able to break, you know, she breaks free. She's like, I'm free. She starts yelling. He gives her the name Supernova. I yep. guess that's it. He kind of just says that. And she says, I have been in this thing. Without any senses, just thinking about the person who put me in here. I am going to kill him. Doc Ock is like, I don't know what you're talking He's like, crap. And she's like, oh, I'm, I'm not mad at you. I, I don't know I, who you are. I want I want Spider-Man. And I love the idea that Ock doesn't realize at front because, again, oh, my God, I, I did this. Oh, hey, maybe we can work this out. He says, I beg you, don't mm-hmm. kill me. I mean, that's how bad it is. And she's like, stops it. Kill you. I don't know you. I want Spider-Man and ends up sipping off. Odd that she doesn't know who Doc Ock is, by the way, but she ends up just blasting out. (laughs) I love Ock's like, that didn't go as planned, but hey, I think it is better. And he just starts (laughs) laughing. And the play here again is the, okay, good luck. And I thought, boy, this is a really neat story with the idea that she's going to go and just attack Peter who's going to have no idea. What's going on? Nope. But I wish it actually was that deal where it was going in the Amazing Spider-Man, maybe. But it's going to be in the Superior Spider-Man. So how is that going to play out? What's the play here? And and when, how, and why does Doc Ock? Does he just end up saying, "Well, I might as well go back to being Spider-Man to stop this"? Like he feels bad to be a. T- I I don't know. 
Yeah, it's we'll see. Odd. It's I have very no idea. odd, right? The idea yeah. of how it will go to that. I liked it. I actually yeah. like talking about it a little more, too. I'd maybe giggle at points, but it's the setup of creating your own villain in a way because if you're hubris and you're just a jerk, not realizing you had done it and actually free him, thinking you're going to die, it goes out. Uh, it's pretty funny. Uh, and the art, it's good. I With all those artists, and they're really good artists, I didn't have anything where I thought, like, oh, that's a big, weird transition. You can tell when things change a bit, but it, there was nothing that was, like, minimal, yeah. so over the top. There wasn't a, a style here, I thought, that really clashed against the others. They're all really good. Like, you throw a Riley Rossum on the middle of this, there's trouble. It would be a screeching halt, but what would you give this overall? Yeah, so so it does. It captures the uh, the essence of the old uh, Spider-Man slash Superior Spider-Man run when Aqua Spider-Man, which is you know Dan Slott and Christos Gage. I think do a great job with the with the the story and the presentation, and then they always got like the best artists uh, for five or six issue runs, and this is kind of what this is here too. So overall, I'd give it a nine. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I think I'm a nine as well. And I know that people like, oh, Dan Slott, I hate him. They have nicknames for him and whatnot. He is a jerk on Twitter, all of that. But when we do these, I really He's a don't. competent Spider-Man writer. He just is. I don't even think. And it's again, it's like he hasn't done tons of like you like this Spider-Man book. I did. I like that one a lot. Way better than I like the regular one. Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah. And so but I hated his Fantastic Four. Yeah, I, I, there's been a bunch of things that I haven't liked from him. And again, it might be like I it it feels like I'm saying shade, but this this is what he's good at. This is what he's good at. This is his wheelhouse, for sure. I'm sure that he would probably get upset at that and say I can do anything whatever, but this is his groove and mm-hmm. you said it like you're reading it, you read Superior. I only read a couple issues. I didn't read it. And so when I go in, I, I thought that I'd have a bit of a disconnect. I don't it it leads me in and gives me the tone. It gives me the fun. Like I said, I read that other Christos Gage superior, so I know you know Doc Ock and how he acts and whatnot, and and goes with that. So I, I really liked it. I, I yeah, think plus, a nine out of ten. Yeah. Plus you get Ryan Stegman on Spider Man, which he never does. So that's a that's a plus. Yeah. I hope that what you said though is the idea where maybe this shows that you know maybe there'll be a little arc with Ryan Stegman and one with Roberto Ramos like they're jumping in to do this yeah i would expect that if it's if it's an ongoing cuz that uh, every comment Gi- Giuseppe Comancoli was always on the Spider-Man's all these guys every one of them yeah so i'm i'm looking forward to it we'll obviously be talking about it on the podcast that'll be one of the you know bigger books when it comes out for us to enjoy i hope yep. that people i hope more people give it a chance than they gave that Spider-Man book a chance i think that a lot of people ended up Pish poshing it just because they didn't like Dan Slot and ended up just not dealing with it because I I couldn't find a lot of people that read it. You read it and liked it. A lot of people who told me they didn't like it and when I you know kind of asked why they didn't read it. They just don't like Dan Slot. So yeah, there you go. There you go. We're, we're done. And again, I like this way more than the Amazing Spider Man, like you said before, yeah. with the regular things. So Absolutely. we're gonna end. Me and you, but with that, we're going to go off because we still have a couple more books left. I believe that we're going to go off to Sus Gabe right now. <laughs> Me and Gabe talking about the David Papos Moon Knight book. That's a little odd. I don't know why it's around. It's very weird, but you'll hear what we say about that right about now. All right. And now we are here to talk Moon Knight City of the Dead number four. And we, I actually mean Gabe. What up, Gabe? Uh, what up, Jim? Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm great. To, I'm happy to talk about Moon Knight. Maybe. Yes, maybe. It'd be funny. I'm like, hey, you want to talk Moon Knight? You're like, yeah. I mean, the City of the Dead book. You're like, oh, 
Okay. <laughs> like I'll wah, talk wah. about it, but hey. And I'm, I'm not so night, sure. Huh? Yeah, I'm not so sure how many people are even reading this, but I thought it'd be interesting for us to jump in. And you have been reviewing it on the site. I caught up with it today as we were getting ready to do this. And I will tell you that it, it it's it's kind of quick at points, but maybe not as quick as it should be and really ends up jumping around with ideas that end up seeming interesting but not really being interesting by the end. And we'll bring up one big thing. I'll let you talk about it, the idea that a big, big thing in this that seemed to be the purpose of the whole entire you know series, this miniseries, just gets dropped to be a big, giant gods versus Moon Knight battle type deal. And it's kind of a shame. It's very strange. It's very strange. Yeah, I'll give you the credits and then we'll jump into it. It's written by David Propose, pencils by Marcelo Ferreira. Ferreri, yeah. I always mess up that name. Ferreira. It it always seems like there's more, you know, words or letters in there for me. Jay Lyston on inks and colors by Rachel Lozberg. And... Fair Sufuente Sujo and Letters by DC's Corey Petit. A lot of people on this book. We ended up having a guest artist last issue, which is odd in a mini series. Kind of never understand that, but when we go back with Ferreira's art here, it's pretty good. But the whole story is that a kid ends up being not killed, but he ends up in a coma at the beginning of the series. It seems as if something's wrong with his soul, and Mark decides to go to the city of the dead to retrieve this kid's soul. And things just get piled on top of that. The idea of like, okay, well, this is kind of small. He's getting this kid. Oh, my God, the kid is actually the new vessel for Osiris. And we have this. And I'll let you go because the play here at one point seemed kind of a a weird, interesting twist on kind of something that is pretty much in the, you know, headlines nowadays, right? Yeah, it seemed kind of strange from the first issue. I mean, if you're not familiar in how this is different from Jed McKay's main run on Moon Knight is this series or this miniseries is attempting to sort of blend the main uh, Moon Knight series with the Jed Mc- with the uh, Disney Plus version of Moon Knight. So they're kind of mer- trying to merge them together. It sort of works, but there are pieces that come in that didn't happen in either. So you kind of have to pick and choose. So it gets a little confusing if you're trying to keep continuity straight. So you might as well just throw that out the window. So when the when Khalil is first uh, injured, almost killed in the first issue, it, it's from like this roving gang that have these Egyptian sort of masks on. You think, okay, they're they're going after kids for some reason. And the idea was, I think it was in issue one into issue two, but a little bit more into issue three is what's happening is the the villains who are in the city of the dead because either Moon Knight killed them or they died by some other means. They are not passing on to judgment. And the reason and the way they're getting to do that is they're kidnapping kids and stealing their hearts and putting them into themselves. So that way, when they get judged or when they're being checked out to be, you know, are you ready to be judged or not? They have the, they have these innocent hearts within them. So it turns into like a trafficking, a kid trafficking story, but with a sort of underworld twist to it, which is kind of interesting and actually made it seem really big. Unfortunately, when we get to this issue, pretty much all that gets dropped. <laughs> so, so the big thing that we're living into that made it feel big now all of a sudden is real back is back small again to something that's not. And, quite and it's as so weird because then you you have this other like <clears throat> you have this Osiris deal too because again these guys are getting what they hope are innocent hearts from these kids and that's where you get the judgment deal and it does play out you get a lot of explanation you know through the whole deal with layla she talks about when she was judged see kind of and people know that deal but also cyrus has been gone for a while so 
you know, City of the Dead's kind of getting a little crazy. It's like everything's just thrown at you, but it really felt like it was a child trafficking deal where you'd have some really pieces of crap ending up maybe buying these kids' hearts or grabbing the kids' hearts. It seemed like this was a, a kind of an interesting setup for something that I've never seen before. And then it's just like you said, it gets dropped in a way that, I mean, it's so weird. Like, it's, nothing's resolved, really. It just ends up like, yeah, we're not going to deal with that. And all of a sudden, you're back to Khalil just being this whole vessel for Osiris. And I think throughout this whole series, we never really get a lot of what what does that mean? Like, at first, it's just, oh, my God, he's going to be the vessel for Osiris. I'm like, well, that kind of sucks. But then they then they add later, well, we're actually trying to bring the city of the dead into the living. I'm like, that kind of sucks. And it, but nothing ever is grabbed onto. Like you said, the whole child chapter, that's just dropped. You have all these weird things going in. And I didn't watch the TV series. So I'm, you know, reading this. I'm learning who Layla is, but I don't have that much of a background from, like you said, the TV series. You told me that a lot of people were a little upset about Layla, not really loving the fact that she kind of took over that series anyway. But in this, she's just there. I didn't think it was that interesting. I end up getting a little bit of a background. But at one point, she just grabs this Cleo. And again, it's Cleo, Cleo, Cleo. But I don't really know what they need to do to help them. At one point, they just yell, we got to get to the gates of Osiris. I'm like, okay, well, let's get there. But what's going to happen then? And it, there's not really that well laid out a plan, except just somehow we saved this kid. Everything's fine. But but how do you do that? I mean, the kid's in the city of the dead. He doesn't have a heart, but his body's up being held by the hunter's moon. Like you said, the idea where you do try to tie it into Jed McKay stuff as well. Uh, but we end up at the end of last issue, Amit, the devourer, ended up swallowing Mark. So Mark is in this deal and that's just more of like well it's time for some moon night thinking time and let's think back at everything i'll give it to you because he then goes through like you know almost like weighing himself out for his life it's kind of a maybe a neat play of him trying to figure out was everything he did good and was he pure because he has done some bad things and he keeps reminding us but then you go and you have him with his dad you have frenchy bushman but you go from there because this big play is him deciding should he end it himself Right. So one of the big plays with uh, Mark Spector is his, his uh, identity disorder. Uh, I think that... Um, Disassociative disorder. Yeah, Disassociative identity. Yeah. yeah, it was DID. I couldn't remember the whole thing. But anyway, uh, so he's... But part of it is he's, for, for a long time, he was a mercenary and, and a killer. But he always tried to sort of stay, stay on the line of only killing, kind of, kind of like Punisher, only killing people who deserve it. Uh, but a lot of those deaths weigh on him. And so whenever somebody uh, innocent was killed, you know, that always weighed on him from the guilt and the regret perspective. So now when he's been, he dived into the belly of Amut to try and give Layla and Camulio an opportunity to escape and get away because they're being chased by uh, Jackal Knight, who happens to be Randall, which is Mark's deceased brother. Uh, so there's like a whole soap opera thing going on with the families and the brothers and all that kind of stuff. So I think that actually the highlight of this issue is Mark has an opportunity to kind of go back and visit those memories of people who have died while he was on missions, uh, innocent people, people who were killed when they didn't really deserve to be, and most importantly, Layla's father. So he died even though he didn't pull the trigger. He was part of the mission team that where he got killed. And so that gives Mark an opportunity to kind of face off against the, the guilt and the regret of people who have died during one of his missions, or several of his missions, actually. But, it, but he goes through this moment of 
forgiveness, even it may not be real, maybe it's just an illusion, but at least he's forgiving himself. And I think that's an interest that's an interesting opportunity for character growth for him, where he can kind of slough off a lot of the, the weight of those past regrets. And so for that, I, I kinda like this issue and maybe I give it a little bit of a higher score because of it. But everything with Layla and, and Chase yeah, that's probably the best part. But everything with Layla and getting Chase with both Khalil and Jacqueline and everything else is just it just sort of happens. It's just sort of like random noise oh, that's happening in the background. And, that's and, what and happens a lot just, in a series. Yeah, there's a odd. lot of random stuff that happens that just it's action. It's good action, but it's sort of action just for its own sake. And yeah, and that doesn't give you much to to work with there. And you have that in a lot of books where you'll end up having you know your main character. You have him doing his thing, and and they seem to think they need that action, so they use Layla. It just really is Layla running with Khalil. Trying to get to the gates of Osiris and just running, 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 being chased by the Jackal Knight, which is Randall. That is Mark's brother. Like, there's a lot of stuff, and it's weird because I think that an outline of this or a pitch, the idea of you're in the city of the dead, you're ending up, Mark's getting attacked by all these people that he did kill, like you said, and to throw the guilt in with that, but also then have, you know, Layla's dad, who was the first innocent victim that he still feels guilty. Have I done the right thing? All this coming into a head where he's trying to save that one kid. And it works out the idea where, like you said, the idea that he's let some innocent people die. So that's why he wouldn't let this one kid go. But it never really plays out like that. I think that Popos is throwing too many things at you at every time that you really can't really settle on anything. And the problem is he isn't settling on what is the best part. Which is the character work. Why else would you have this mini series than just to, you know, you know, to have some character work with it? Have Layla, who I don't know of because I didn't see the series, end up really giving some character work between them, not just we were lovers and remember that time and that place and you had guns. It just kind of surface level and, and goes and doesn't make me interested overall. And then by the end you're like, why does this book exist? Because you have the you know, McKay, Moon Knight, that a lot of people liked. I don't hear as much, you know, people praising, but people still like it. That's heading to that whole. Yeah, it's okay. It's not great. It's not fantastic. It's, it's yeah, okay. That's what it is now. At one point, people were going nuts about it. And I just, it, it didn't progress fast enough for me. But again, Moon Knight isn't my favorite character, but I still, still enjoyed it. And then I go into this and it almost feels like at one point, this was like, okay, I get it. This is more of the action movie version. So you can get it. But it's not even that sometimes. It's just like you said, the action doesn't mean much. So why do it? it it's odd. And it doesn't even match what's happening in, in the Disney Plus show because in that in the show, Layla is not dead. She's alive. So so they're not even lined up with each other. So it's kind of weird. And I think with 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 McKay's series, which is I think the the most consistent. It may not be always be great, but it's most consistent. The problem the, the problem that Jen McKay has is he doesn't know how to write compelling villains. That's the, the problem. Villains. I said that from the beginning. Yeah, the, the villains are villains lame. Are, are, his villains, one right after the other, are all forgettable. He doesn't know how to you know, give them personality because they're always like in the shadows or working in the background or like off, you know, somewhere, someplace, and Moon Knight has to track them down. But you never really get a sense of them other than they might have a grudge or some kind of thing happening. But the villains, are, except for Zodiac, but he's been in there so often. Yeah, that's the only way you remember it, but they're, but they're forgettable. So we have multiple foundational problems with the series, not to kind of pick on it too much, but it's trying to merge the show with the, with the, with the comic book and they're out of continuity with each other. So the merging doesn't quite make sense. And then you, the, the bigger problem is that you have is it's not quite clear what Khalil is supposed to be doing. You know, you know, he's the, he's intended to be the vessel of Osiris, 
But how does it finish? Does he have to go through some ritual? Where is Layla trying to take him? And, and what happens when he gets there, if he gets there first? And then if Jackal Knight gets him before he gets there, what is the, what is Jackal Knight going to do with him? He, I think he, I think he's trying to steal his power, but he's definitely for, doing that. But what does that mean to Khalil? Like what happens to him, right? Yeah. How does, how does he steal his power? Can he just, I mean, how do you just take it? I, it seems like at card? the end he's uh, doing it. And I'm like, yeah. I, I, you know, you have this play where Khalil at one point did actually save them by using a power. He used this power like it's building up. He ends up saving Mark. Then Mark ends up because of the distraction. Hey, I'll go into Emma and you guys run. But never the idea, okay, you got to go and run, get through the gate, do this, that, and the other thing, and then, boom, you end up having Khalil alive in the living world because he is there. Hunter's Moon has him. He's on life support. At, with He's brain dead. So that's where you get. So you get brain dead there, but that equals out to his soul that's then the city of the dead, and in that, his heart's taken. I'm like, there is too many pieces going on for something that could have been a bit simpler and like you said you don't know the end game i mean the end game is saving everyone but what is the real deal and that's where i think that post keeps adding things or taking them away without really explaining them at this point like you said i just think he has to defeat his brother bada bing bada boom somehow things so because i don't see that clear cut thing of okay here's our mission statement to go for it's kind and of lost makes in the even, shuffle. What makes it even tougher is it, think about what Randall's trying to do. He's trying to steal the. I guess he's trying to steal the power of Osiris from of Osiris, Khalil, who's, yeah. who's, who's the new vessel. But he had Khalil in his possession, like in a cage or something, yeah. for like a couple days. So why didn't yeah. he just do that? Why from didn't the he do it then? I know. So how is it different now than before? So you know, it's like, it was different then. That seemed to be just the child trafficking. <laughs> now it's full out. It's it's which a is mess. The more interesting story. The child traffic was a more interesting story. Uh, the yeah. idea of it would you know. Mark trying to figure out how he can stop that, what it means, what all this stuff going. And even with the idea they say Osiris isn't around, maybe this would be the crazy story then where, okay, child trafficking. And then Mark realizes, hey, Osiris, piece of crap, but I, I got to get him back. We need some order. Like there were little snippets of things that just got pushed aside. And Layla, yeah. who's there the whole time, she just kind of is like, oh, yeah, crap's gone wrong here. And then she just goes up. It's very odd. So you get the you get the impression that Osiris like needs a new vessel every so often. I, I, they might have mentioned in the book, but I don't, I don't know. So 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 this has ha, this has had to have happened before. How did he deal with it before? And then what, then let's say Osiris comes to it and kind of you know reconstitutes himself in Khalil fully and he becomes the new Osiris. Okay, so what is he gonna? What is he doing? How does how does he keep control of the city? That he that uh, does he have police? I don't know why. Would somebody like Randall want that? They're running yeah. rampant. They're, they're having a free reign. This is the idea. So is and never and we're saying this. You could infer a couple things. Okay, he got this vessel because he wanted to steal the power so that Osiris couldn't be. But then he's got. But nothing was ever said like that. It's all just a mess. Everything you, you'd have to figure out. We said we don't even know what happens when we get to the gates of Osiris. We got to get to the gates. Got to get to the gates. We don't know what the hell happens. Also, you realize, Randall, maybe he should have been a little... They know where... Like, if that's the clear-cut thing, why don't they just have everybody just waiting there the whole time? Just let them get there, which kind of happens, but doesn't... Everything's a mess. It's a mess, this book, but... When a a writer usually engages in exposition, sometimes they usually get dinged because they do too much. Like, you have a wall text or big narration box or something. This is a case where you needed some more exposition because I don't think he clearly mapped it out or explained what was going on and now he's now he's just like chunking things together as he goes and it, it 
part of it makes sense. It, the, the individual pieces I like. I, I don't like how the pieces are strung together. It is one of those books you're reading and you're not really enjoying it fully, but they're, like you said, you'll read and like, okay, well, that's cool. Maybe we'll go, oh, he just dropped that again. And then you get to, oh, that's, that's kind of neat. The idea of Layla's dad. All right, that's cool. Yeah. Oh, that's kind of just there. So he doesn't it's kill himself. very up and down. Very up and down. When you have like the exposition talk that you had, you still do have a bit of like, you have that over the top, Solitary Moon Knight exposition type of deal, but it's nothing. I'd rather have the exposition of info than the earth shudders beneath the weight of my transgressions, or, you know, because somewhere deep, I know I just like you end up just kind of reiterating the same thing. You keep going with the same thing over and over instead of giving us a story. And then by the end, could have been something cool. And the idea where it, it almost plays out like the perfect scenario of if you want it to be in continuity. It makes sense because you're in the city of the dead. This is just the side thing that Mark ends up doing. It wouldn't affect anything really. But then, like you said, it gets all jumbled up with the TV show, trying to tie Jed McKay's stuff, and it just doesn't work by the end. But what, what would you give it? Uh, on the written review, I gave this one a seven. And I, th- I think I'm, I'm more positive than maybe some other people. So the reason I gave it a seven is, again, I like the individual pieces, even though I may not like the way they're strung together. But the pacing's good. There's a lot of good action in there. And, and Layla, even though she takes up too much of the book and she distracts away from Moon Knight, I mean, I think she has potential as a character. Uh, and, and also the bit about Moon Knight sort of the self-reflection where he, he's able to cast off the guilt over Layla's father's death. I, I think those are all interesting pieces. So I gave this one a 7 out of 10. Now, we'll see what happens in the next issue. I might be a dummy and I yeah. might get you know, played it's for the a finale fool. finale too, so but, we'll uh, see. But uh, yeah, this one I gave out a, a 7 out of 10 because I, I like the potential and the pieces, even though I don't like the way they came together. I'm going to go 6. I, I did like the art. I do like the pieces, but they're just they're kind of a wreck. And not not actually watching the TV show, maybe that might be that one-point disconnect because some of this stuff is just new to me and I don't really have that connection now. I love that you said that you're, you know, people say you're being uh, very uh, positive or what. You are oh, the man. lowest score. <laughs> I just looked at the round of it because I looked the other day and I'm like, no, no, there's a 10, an 8, 6, and 8, and then you're 7. You're at the bottom of the barrel. So I don't no, know that you're you being gotta, that you gotta positive. Real, you got to work real hard to get a 10 out of me. 10 yeah, is a rare that's true. Well, it's funny. There's only one, and it's kind of the tell that there aren't a lot of reviews. There's only, I believe, one user review. That's a 10 out of 10. They gave it so they were in. Nothing written up about it, just to sh- throw it out there, 10. And the other thing to take into account is, there, there's, I forget when it's coming up, but so, it's also coming up that uh, there's going to be like the death of Moon Knight. Yeah, death of Moon Knight coming up. And he'll be resurrected, or he won't be resurrected, but like a new like a new version of Moon Knight. With it. So I, I think that maybe this series might be leading into that as a maybe, setup. Maybe, I don't know. So we'll see, because he's doing so much in the City of the Dead, so that's a possibility. But we'll Maybe, see. or then that, that death of him will realize we just read five issues for nothing. But it's, it's some Moon Knight stuff. It's happened before. There. Yeah, yeah, so it happens a lot. But thank yeah, you for good. joining me, Gabe, once oh, again. And everybody go and check out Gabe's reviews on our Marvel site, Marvel, uh, what is it, Weird Science, MarvelComics.com, but also check out Gabe's stuff on his own site, The Comical Opinions. I'll have the links for that and his Twitter, all of that in the show notes. So check those out. But thanks again, Gabe. And thank we'll you. move on to whatever is next. All right, and continuing on, I'm joined by Gray. What up, Gray? Hey, Jim, how's it going with you? Oh, it's awesome. Me and you have been really liking this Blade book. And we we kept saying it's cinematic, pretty cool. The art started out really neat. 
What happened, Gray? What happened to our book here? I don't here? know. I think it lost its sexiness. I was enjoying it. It was quite, it was quite sexy, wasn't it, earlier on? It was. It was cool. And <laughs> and we thought of the idea of, okay, it's Blade. You can hear Wesley Snipes when you're reading it. He's oh, doing yeah. some cool stuff. It's very cinematic. So it really was quick, the issues. So it's not that there wasn't a ton of substance, but there kind of wasn't a ton of substance up in because it seemed like this was leading into bigger, bigger things. You keep going. But as we keep going, and we said it last issue, that something fell off. And then you read this one. It's issue four of Blade. It feels like it's going to end. It feels like there's rumors that it's going to end next issue, that the Marvel's going to play their game, that it was always a mini series, even though we said it was an ongoing. And if it ends next issue, a disappointing series that could have been really good, right? Yeah, I really, as you said, it started off what I thought was pretty good, pretty intriguing. It seemed to be going somewhere. We were getting to know the characters. And then this issue, Jim, you were saying before we started recording, I, I thought we'd like missed a few pages or something. It just felt like there was too much going on. And like, how did we get to the end? It's so weird. You set up a cool set piece, though. We said last issue, it's kind of ridiculous. If you have a bullet train that's just constantly going, just take out a bridge. And then maybe yeah. we could have seen magically it does something or whatever but you're going to get dr strange you're going to get blade and then tamlin and rotha the two girls that are with blade they're going to go onto this train and try to steal lucifer's sword from a vampire you know boss that that's pretty cool but yet it, it ends up like nothing ends up before like you said pages seem missing like before you know it they have the sword they're getting off of the train and now they're facing adana who is the big bad that's come to destroy the world, all in this one quick issue. You don't get a chance to even see how anything's that cool. And the art, it it ends up not being that great, but I'll give you the credits. It's written by Brian Hill, Valentina Pinti, with Elena Casagrande on art. Now, remember, that's Valentina Pinti with the artist who's supposed to be the main artist. Like, it's not somebody help. Now it actually really feels like Valentina Pinti's doing the art, and a couple pages are Elena Casagrande. Yeah, Because they might have been done before. That was supposed to be the main artist, one of the draws of it, and gave it that cinematic feel. I don't know what happened. Colors by K.J. Diaz. Letters by V.C.'s Corey Petit. And so, yeah, you, you go in this the set piece, though we kind of rolled our eyes. We said it felt like solo. In the, you know, Star Wars solo movie a little, but it's still kind of cool. When Doctor Strange showed up, you're like, okay, we have a team up. This will be neat. We'll get to see Blade, a vampire hunter, vampire deal daywalker with the Sorcerer Supreme. That'll be so cool. He he looks so bored, doesn't he? Strange, look at his face here, Jim. I was trying to think. He looks a bit off as well. I'm not quite he sure. Does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it is kind of odd. It's a weird Even one. then, it's like, hey, I want to introduce you to you know my partners here. And Doctor Strange already knows him, says it's because I'm Doctor Strange. And then it goes from there to, I'm really mad at you, Blade. You let Adana out into the world. I have to oh, stop yeah. this. She ended up killing people. But it, it feels like. He said, I, I think you nailed it. Dr. Strange seems like he has a script here that he has to read, and he's very bored. Like, okay, like, uh, I'm mad at you, Blade. Uh, we got to get through this train. And then they're talking about this Hamilton Achilles, the big bad who is on this train. Oh, my God, he has all these relics. He has The guy has the sword of Lucifer. He's driving around on a train. Oh, by the way, Blade, he's a vampire. Oh, goody, let's go. 
you see this guy eating a person really quickly. But then we jump on the, the train and we're already halfway through the issue and we just go boom, 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 done. I mean, there's not much to this. Blade says to Tamlin and Rotha, hey, I hear there's prisoners in the back. You free them. And I'm going to go get this Hamilton Achilles. And I don't know. I guess they didn't think anybody would jump on the train, right? Because there's only a couple vampires that come after Blade. And he just slices and dices them in, in a page. Uh, two pages, actually. I know. Pages. Jim, I've got to ask you, what did you think of the weird Predator-style opening, like, mouth vampire thing going <laughs> I think that the play there could have been neat, right? It, it's yeah, weird. Yeah, it could. I, I don't love it, but no. the art isn't good. When you get that, it should be this really big moment of the art where the first part you see it is by this Hamilton Achilles, and it's just a little panel in the corner. Then you get these other vampires, and that is not well done. When they no. start walking toward Blade, you're like, what is that? It- that looks stupid. The first one looked good, didn't it? The the main guy, Achilles, yeah, it looked pretty cool. Imagine if it was like really detailed and this like it would be pretty oh, cool. Yeah. Right? So they're they're doing all this and, and there there's just some weird plays, like the idea, you know, of blood going when they kill these men. And then the vampires just run at Blade, slice, 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 on fire out. That's it. It's almost, it's way too easy, isn't it? I mean, okay, I know these are just like lackey vampires, but he takes them out, as you say, in one page. One page. And just <laughs> think, we said that this felt very cinematic at points, like a movie. Just yeah. imagine the movie Blade, you know, Blade 10. And he's there, okay, we're on this train. We're going to get this vampire lord, and he ends up having these, pretty much the sword of Satan. All right. Blade goes on, kills four or five vampires immediately. And then the guy, the main guy, Hamilton Achilles, gets over the loudspeaker and goes, go through this next door because I'm behind there and I'm going to fight you. Okay. Blade goes through that door, faces Hamilton Achilles, and then Hamilton Achilles says, oh, by the way, that big bad Adana that you're after, yeah, we're all with her and you're not going to be able to stop her, and then kills himself. That was so weird. Yeah, I just didn't get that at all. I thought he was like ripping his his head, his skin off his head or something. But one minute he's doing that, the next minute he's in flames. Yeah, that, that's it. It looks like <laughs> Tor. <laughs> that's what it looks like. He's like, we rip head off. And he, he rips the head off. And the, the play here, I think, is going to be that, all right, that overall Adana wanted Blade because she's already duped Blade before. She wanted Blade to get the sword. When he does get it, you end up having Doctor. I, I love Doctor Strange. It's almost like the no, don't, don't go. Like he's barely, you know, protesting. Hey, Blade, I can't let you have that sword. I think I'm going to have this sword, Doctor Strange. <laughs> okay. And then he says, I'll take care of the train and you go because he can't go with them. But even then, to get to the next issue, to get to what might be the finale, at least the finale of this arc, but maybe the book, Doctor Strange says, I can't come with you. Maybe makes a portal for him, sends him right to Adana. Like there is no if at the last page, they are ready to do this final battle. Everything feels rushed. In the meantime, Tamlin and Rotha, they're just fighting through vampires to get to these prisoners to then just get to them, say, okay, you'll be okay. And then Dr. Strange later says, oh, I took care of everybody. The prisoners, they're off, you know, the kidnapped people yeah very and, convenient. Uh, your people are okay i can't help you by it, that's it 
it, it ends, yeah. and it's just it's so disappointing. I it's told way you. too rushed, Jim, isn't it? It sounds like that he's trying to tie it up in this issue and probably the next. The next issue looks like it's going to be the final one now. Because I mean, just that it doesn't even wait. Like you don't even have Blade at the end of this issue say, "Man, we better get to it done." And now he's there. He's there with a flaming sword. Yeah. Just the start of the next battle, which might be the finale. It's such a weird, weird play. But the like I said, the one thing is is that you ended up having this Hamilton Achilles say, "Oh man, she's duping you anyway." That that blade, hey, take it, whatever. It seems it's a weird setup. And then Doctor Strange says, "I think there's something weird going on," but Blade won't listen. He's going to go off. And then we've had it almost every issue. At one point, I thought it was like. Brian Hill was making fun of Blade's current status, but it happens again. Like, I liked you better as sheriff of Vampire Town. I'm like, nobody liked that, Doctor no. Strange. Just shut your mouth. Nobody liked the Chernobyl City of Vampire Sheriff. That was nonsense stuff. And the Jason Aaron crap, I don't want to hear it. But overall, this is a disappointment. I told you this was going to be quick. I We always say that, and then it never ends up being. This is know. quick because there's Do- not much... There was one thing I wanted to see a little bit more developed, which I thought could have been pretty interesting, and that's when he's got Lucifer's sword, you know, how it's um, the pride of the sword is kind of, is affecting him, he's trying to take over him. That could have been really, you know, interesting, but it just kind of like, it doesn't get dealt with, does it? Or does it? Did I miss it? No, no. And and that's where you're going to end up having to rush that then, because you're going to have the final battle. Right. The setup here would have been, okay, Blade has the sword, let's do at least one more issue of hey i'm trying to get to the sadana let's do this and see how he's affected by the sword maybe yeah, he starts doing weird things over the top but without that and the only people who would be able to recognize that really would have been tamlin because they have that connection but i think that's going to be part of the battle adana is going to be doing something and blade is going to go i don't know how he would go over the top of how i'm going to kill you and then i could be the ruler of the world, like something like that. And you might have Tamlin uh, and maybe. Rafa have to yeah. step in. And you have Rafa, who has been playing off as this righteous warrior, the spiritually righteous warrior. And then uh, the old friend, Tamlin, who is that arms dealer, thinks that she'll have some crazy weapons. So I think that they're going to have to kind of take Blade down by the end, not kill him, but maybe do something. Maybe step in. Probably, yeah. I think that he's just going to go over the top and they'll have to step in. But again, in this issue, just as a because it's been so quick, you end up having a cool set piece you don't take advantage of at all. Like, where is the point where they go and this Achilles, this Hamilton Achilles vampire, you know, boss has like a setup that if he ends up getting killed, the train starts going out of control. You have to stop it. The problem is you have Doctor Strange who could really stop a lot of things anyway. But you never played the idea of being on a train constantly going 180 miles an hour with vampires on it. This could have just been, you know, a taxi. It could have been an open room. It could have been my basement. Like you never really get the idea of any reason why you're on the train. And to get there, you just portaled in. So there was never anything that really utilized or took advantage of the the set piece. And that was upsetting. You have this Hamilton Achilles. Oh my God, this guy must be powerful. He must have all of these people guarding him. He has four guys that are just standing around. And then the he, Blade just opens a door because, again, it feels like it's a setup that 
But why would Hamilton Achilles do that? It's very odd. It's, it's, it's so very bizarre. At one point, you got Hamilton, like Achilles, the big bad, the big boss of the train. He's like, he boots, you know, he kicks Blade over. So, okay, you know, maybe he's strong. Blade drops the sword for a minute. And what happens next? <laughs> he just starts talking to him, to Blade, and then... And then just like kills himself. <laughs> kills himself. No like, why? What happened? Why? why? Because it's just a means to an end. He has to get yeah. that sword because they said it's the only thing that can stop Adana. But of course, right. it also has the pride deal. So I just expect another rush issue and the Adana deal. And I actually do think it's going to end. And uh, they've already told Elena Casagrande, like, we got other, maybe we'll see. If that's the play, we'll see another book announced. In the mm. next, you know, month or so because of how the, you know, how the timing goes and Elena Casagrande will be on something else. I think they pulled her off this book to say, yeah, you do something that actually we think is more important, which is a shame. Oh, really? That's because a shame. I think, yeah, I, that's what I think. I, yeah. I did. I did message Brian Hill to see what he had to say and if he did. And, and a lot of times they're not allowed to say anything anyway. But sure. I kind of just said, hey, I'm, I'm we are liking this book. I said, I really like your Blade book. Why do, it feels like it's ending. Is it still an ongoing, but he hasn't gotten back to me. So he did tell me some things before about, say, his Fallen Angels, which had the same kind of play that it ended up. It was supposed to be a mini. Marvel didn't want to announce it as a mini because they were afraid people wouldn't you know, buy it. But then yeah. Brian Hill felt like he was kind of set up because then it looked like his book was canceled, not being a planned mini as he says that it actually was. But. That's that. I, I tried to get some more out of this because I, I like know. talking to Gray. I've, I've got one more, one more thing, Jim, before, before we give our scores. If you have a look at the cover for the next issue, it's quite interesting. You know, as it says, it's the epic showdown. But look at the picture and you've got Adana. She's, she's got the sword there yeah, on her Yeah, she's got the sword. He's got his two, you know, his two katanas. And again, that seems like the Blade, if that happens, Blade is the dumbest person ever because he already was duped. Because if you haven't been reading this, he ended up, it looked like he was trying to save this girl from this crazy monk, you know, right. ninja that showed up. And instead, it was Adana that he saved, this be-all, end-all bad thing. And the monk was actually, like, a, again, a, a righteous soldier that was brought up to kill Adana if she ever showed up. So he was duped. That's what Doctor Strange talks about. You were the one who led her. And he said, man, you know, my bad. I, I didn't mean to. Hey, that doesn't matter. My people are dead. But yeah, it probably was just the idea of, oh, thank you for my sword. And then he's going to have to kill her anyway. So we'll have to see. We'll have to see what happens. Me and you will be talking about it. I still, I, I can't say I love the book, no. but I'm still interested to see how it ends. But if it ends next issue, it's going to be very disappointing because it seemed to start out well. But this will then be a book that I think both of us can admit will probably forget. By spring, we will we'll say at one point as we're doing this for however long. Remember that Blade book? Pretty cool, but it ended with a thud. That'll be all it is. It won't That'll be something be that you'll yeah, ever it started go back well, to. But it just kind of died off. You know, it got yeah. rushed off at the end. That's What's a shame. your score? <laughs> I'm going there. Uh, it's hard. Six five, six point five for me. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think you're a little high. Actually, I'm going to go six. I could go six five, but just. I, I'm more disappointed than like, oh, the but like one of those plays. You read it and it's like, okay, I see what's happening. It's not awful. But my disappointment of how much I liked it to get to this point kind of does push it down a point five. That's just a personal push down of a point five, but still disappointing. But that's it. 
Thanks for joining me, Gray. I wish we could talk longer I about know. this. I'm sure people are like, well, you did talk about 10 minutes too long about it. But that's, that's how it works. But everybody <laughs> really? check the show notes. No, I hope they don't say that. If they did, uh, I don't know why they're still listening. But check the show notes and go and check out Gray's YouTube channel, The Wakasashi's Tea House. Me and him do some stuff together, but he also does a ton of awesome comic book reviews, which you don't see a ton of on YouTube. That's what I like doing. That's what you like doing. But a lot of people are there to yell and scream about things. We just like reviewing each book. So check that out. All right. And that is it for the podcast. Thanks, everybody. Matt, Gabe, and Gray, of course, for joining me this week. Next week, we have a bunch of books. I'm going to list what we will probably talk about. We may add some. We may drop some. But this is kind of the general list of this. And I'm going to be joined by a bunch of people once again. Next week, we have Daredevil number two. Avengers Inc. number two, Sensational She-Hulk number one, Incredible Hulk number five, Crypt the Shadows number one, Ghost Rider number 19, and possibly, if I catch up on them, Miles Morales Spider-Man number 11, Moon Knight number 28, and then maybe Spine Tingling Spider-Man number one. So there's a lot of maybe, shoulda, coulda, wouldas. Uh, we'll probably talk most, if not all, of those. So tune in. Next Saturday when the episode comes out And just a shout out to everybody If you like what you heard And you want to get a lot of exclusive podcasts And help us out for everything that we do here Go over to our Patreon Patreon.com slash Weird Science Where you will get a ton of shows Eventually as we settle into this Marvel show We're going to end up having a two book spotlight Two books picked in a poll on our Patreon to be Patreon exclusive that week That will be our Patreon only show That would come out during the week All that stuff will be later But just to let you know That that would be the plan down the line at some point But for now we're going to talk all the books Everything on this regular free feed But like I said, if you want to help us out And I don't know, sometimes we need some help, right? Everybody needs a little help now And again, just go over to Patreon and check out If you go now you can actually sign up for a seven-day free trial and really get a ton of shows, a ton of Marvel shows. Also, if you're into the sort of thing, you know, called comics, we also have DC stuff, indie stuff, and manga, as well as a lot of pop culture stuff as well. So check that out. I'll give it to you one more time. Patreon.com slash Weird Science. Thanks, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or wherever else. You can find to rate and review things. That is it. Thanks. And I'll talk to y'all later. You are all weirdos. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution.